Hashtag MeToo. We're in the midst of a MeToo tsunami. In this climate where women are finally able to tell their stories of sexual mistreatment, do men have a voice? Can men say, I agree, I'm there with you? Can they criticize any aspects of the movement, question it, talk real talk? I think they can, and I think that they should. I mean, the first step to finding a solution is getting it all out in the open, right? I think it's important. Um, I think it's important in order for us to move forward. But my concern is that we're not there right now. No, but I think we're getting there. This is Gritty Girls, a place where you can come to process the issues and topics your girlfriends, family, or coworkers may or may not be discussing. However, you're thinking about these issues, so let's dive into them together. Hi everyone, I'm Christina Lee. And I'm Leslie Campbell, and we are the Gritty Girls. So today, Leslie and I will have a conversation with two male friends, one who's a social scientist, and hear their thoughts about the toppling of powerful men by sexual assault charges, their take on how this is affecting the men in all of our lives, and the soul-searching and real change that hopefully is taking place in our society. Let's begin with the voices of a few friends who were candid with their reactions. I don't think the average man is going around groping women or assaulting them or trying to rape them or anything like that. So I don't really see the average man uh, seeing himself as somebody who needs to change his actions or his thoughts necessarily about women. I think the average man does respect women and may pursue them at times, may try to steal a kiss or get the first base if they're on uh, if they're dating someone. Uh, but I, I don't think the average man is out here uh, committing atrocities against women. Uh, unfortunately, I think those who do, those who do cross the line, uh, I think they unfortunately will continue to, to do so once the smoke is cleared. I don't think a rapist is going to quit raping because of this. The first reaction immediately is, wow, this is, uh, this is really about time, right? So some of those uh, behaviors have, uh, frankly, from my standpoint, have been bothering me for years. And... Uh, now it's coming out, and I think that's uh, that's positive, right? Because it's really good to drive the diversity, uh, no matter from a community standpoint, from work workplace standpoint. So I think that's uh, overall it's going to be a good thing. Um, but uh, you know, after I think about it, I said, "Wow, this could impact me from a, a workplace standpoint, right?" I have a number of uh, female employees that's reporting to me, and and uh, the fear is how would certain things be taken just justifiably uh, or not, right? In some cases, the employee may seek to revenge uh, on, on their managers for certain negative remarks. Um, and, and that, in fact, I think in today's environment would get the manager uh, fired almost right out of hand without, I think, many organizations in today's environment, companies would not do the typical due diligence they would. And that's one reason why I hate to see anyone persecuted and convicted in social media without due process. I think anyone that's accused, regardless of what they're accused of, has a right to, to defend themselves. And, and then, um, you know, if they're found guilty, they're guilty. If they're found innocent, then they're innocent. And uh, I just hate to see us 
people's careers ruined uh, just over accusations, regardless of what that accusation may be. So I'm hearing a relief that men are being held accountable. I'm hearing compassion for what women have had to face, but I'm also hearing an uncertainty about men's role moving forward, a fear of women who could use this moment to get ahead, just as they question maybe whether a subset of women claiming to be victims are now just crying wolf. What do you think, Leslie? I think I'm ready to hash it out. How about you? Yeah, definitely. I don't want men to take the safe road on this. I want to get gritty and dive down into what is an extremely complex topic. So let's hear the whole bundle of emotions and thoughts that real men do have around the Me Too revolution. And joining us today in the studio is our friend Steve Alanis. He's a husband and father, and he's kind of a renaissance man, Mm -hmm, right? Steve. Oh, yeah. He's a music and associate pastor. He's also a barber. He rocks in a band, teaches a grammar class, and today he's a podcaster. Welcome, Steve. Hey, girls. Glad to be here. We're glad to have you. Yeah. Now, also on the show is my dear friend, Dr. Kimo Quaintance, who's also a husband, a newlywed, no less. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) Kimo is a teacher, a researcher, and consultant specializing in human-centered innovation that leverages emerging technology such as artificial intelligence. Fascinating. He is the co-founder of his consultancy, IQ Gemini, and is based in Munich, Germany. Dr. Quaintance often gives talks on society, human behavior, and social media surrounding technologies. Awesome to have you, Kimo. Great to be here. Thank you very much for having me. So I want to start by saying that, Kimo and Steve, you are brave for coming onto the show today and talking about this topic because, as you know, some men who ventured into the fray were slapped down. I was watching Dave Chappelle's latest special on Netflix, which is quite worth the time to watch, and he talked about how Ben Affleck agreed that these men are deplorable, are deplorable, and was immediately flogged, though, for, if you recall, years ago, there was a video of him grabbing a woman's breast on television, which meant that any man who had made a mistake in the past lost the credibility to speak. So the question Chappelle had was, how can we move forward this way? And that's what we are here to do, to move forward toward understanding, which means hearing things that we don't want to hear from both sides right? We want a real discussion right now on how so much of the dynamic between the sexes are gray and that this Me Too moment is really on a continuum of change and evolution and how men and women relate to one another. So I'm first wondering if you are, as some men have expressed, surprised by how much women are harassed, the reality of that, because I'm wondering if you feel there really is a shift in consciousness in men right now with this Me Too moment. So how about we start with Steve? Yeah, I think over the years, and this is something I was discussing with Kimo, um, a lot of men felt safe in their own communities because they knew information couldn't be spread, Mm. widespread. Yeah. And so a lot of the things that we're seeing coming out is – a result of the fact that it's a lot easier for men to be outed because of social media and because of um, because of this Me Too movement, and I think it's great. I I wouldn't say there's a dynamic shift. 
in the way males perceive this problem because uh, all the men that I know over my lifetime have never um, sort of accepted the way that some of these men are coming out the way they're treating women. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I remember, I remember in barber school, you know, it was predominantly male student students, and then one day this guy registered, and a few days later we found out that he was actually a sexual offender. He actually was was convicted of sexual assault um, on a minor, probably around the ages between 13 and 15 years old. And so during barber school and for the rest of that semester, we saw this sort of social justice play out where we didn't physically harm him or anything, but he was sort of ostracized from the entire group. And so from all the males in my life and all the men that I've, I've, I've grown, to, grown, grown to call friends, we've never accepted the way that some of these men are treating women. Kimo, what is, what is your take? Um, do you feel that there is a shift right now? Yeah, there's. There, I think there's 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 a couple shifts going on. I mean, uh, you know, for one, I, I don't think that there's 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 anybody who's thought that this kind of behavior was ever appropriate. What's different now is that there are consequences to individual behavior because everyone has a voice. And I think the real shift that we're seeing now, I mean, everyone has always been able to do what they want in some way, right? But but now the consequences are are becoming closer and closer. Um, you know, the thing that, that I see shifting for a lot of people is just this general awareness that there's a transparency in the world that we've never seen before. You know, I mean, this is, if you think about it, right, this is the first time in human history that it's been easier to reach a global audience than it is to remain totally private. It is hard to be private these days. Um, I know my husband and I, we've had a lot of conversations about some of the things that have come out in the news. Um, I'm just curious if either one of you have had conversations um, with a woman that you know, whether it's a spouse or friend, um, about some of these sexual assault revelations that have been going on. Is this something that y'all are talking about? Yeah, Yeah. I've I've had conversations with, several conversations with my wife, and you guys know her personally. And, um, you know, it's it's funny getting her perspective because my wife Giselle isn't... um, Sort of a pushover. I love her. Yeah. Uh, is or is not. She's not. <laughs> That's that'd probably right. be, that'd probably be the last word anybody would use not. to describe her, right? And so a lot of the time I hear from her, and she's never been put in not not a situation where she might have been assaulted, right? But and I guess I think you guys mentioned it in your original podcast, the one in three, where you just you don't know what you would do if you were put in that situation, right? Right, exactly. And, but she says that she couldn't imagine herself not actively getting out of that situation and yeah. letting the perpetrator know that this is not okay and removing herself. I I kind of had the same response to my husband because I'm I'm kind of like Giselle in the sense that I'm I'm not a pushover either. And when we were specifically talking about the Louis C.K. incident, my first thought was, get out of the room. What is making you stay there? And so um, Allie Jacobs, who we interviewed, she was very helpful in um, explaining to me kind of what goes on in the brain when people are faced with these situations and how some people just freeze. And, and, you know, we're all different. Mm -hmm. So... um, 
while someone like me or Giselle with kind of a strong, um, kind of more out there personality, while, mm-hmm. while we might be more willing to say something, someone else may not, mm-hmm. you know. And if if they've been a victim as a child too, um, that might further complicate, you know, that situation. Right. And, you know, even women who on the outside seem to be very assertive yeah. um, may react the same way. Exactly. You really don't know until you're in that situation. Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Kimo. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, you know, thinking about what, what, you're, what you're just saying now, I mean, the, the, the moment that it jumped out to me that something really was changing was talking to my wife um, after she'd taken a business trip. And, and this is after all this, this stuff was coming up and, you know, we'd been talking about it and both of us were you know, interested and curious and skeptical at the same time. But she said, so she was at the airport and she was going up the escalator and there was some guy behind her who was making these kind of like kissing, uh, sucking noises or oh something like that. Oh my God. Oh my God. And yeah, but, but she said she just turned around to him and she looked at him and she said, what is wrong with you? <laughs> And, and she said, you know, before all of this stuff came out, I would have just ignored it. Hmm. Right. I like that. Wow. Yeah. That's and that powerful. Was, that was the moment that, yeah, that was the moment for her that surprised her that she realized, oh, this, this has an impact. Yeah. You know, like, this, this, re- yeah. this realization, like, I have a voice. Not only do I have a voice, I need to use my voice. Yeah. That's the collective. We're that's no longer the, yeah, yeah. sweeping yes. it under the rug. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's such a good point because one of the things that occurred to me is that, you know, the big change especially is going to be for our girls. Mm-hmm. I grew up where I knew that – as a woman, I would have to take on a certain level of harassment. It's almost expected. I mean, my breast was grabbed in May at a concert. I'm a 37-year-old woman. <laughs> it's not like, you know, my mother sat me down one day and said, listen, this is going to happen to you. Yeah. No, it's, you know, you, you see it when you're watching television, yes. right? Women accepting, taking advances that they don't want. People saying that's men being men, men being boorish. But... The fact is that girls who are seeing this, we're raising a generation who are really – that's the consciousness shift, I think, even yeah. if men aren't really all getting it right now, that these girls are going to grow up with the shift already. And they're going to grow yeah. up not expecting that, oh, this is just par for the course uh, when you're a woman. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's the thing I think that scares a lot of men is that men don't need to get it for things to change. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. They don't. That's right. I mean, this is the the nature of power. When power shifts or when power diffuses, new groups take new actions, and the the, the consensus shifts, even if the old group doesn't change its behavior at all. I love that. So the hard question I have for you is: since this has happened, have you turned the spotlight on yourself? Have you had moments where you cringed at a remark that you made when you were a lot younger? Yeah. So you know, have there been moments where you look back and you had moments of cringing and shame? I mean, yeah, I did that ex- immediately after listening to your original podcast and uh, listening to our friend Crystal's story, and you know, just trying to remember back at a time where I might have been. Uh, pressuring a girl or something during a time of intimacy or something. Um. 
Steve is referring to Crystal, who is featured in our very first episode, talking about her experience in college of being raped. Since we will refer to Crystal's experience several times in this episode, here's an excerpt from her interview to help you understand the immense pressure she felt to have sex with the man she had just begun dating. At the time, she was a virgin and had planned to remain a virgin until marriage. So he proceeded a little bit more forcefully. You know, you kind of go into this um, this state of fear where it's, you want to protect yourself in any way possible. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't want to get pregnant. I don't want to get an STD. So I knew he was going to do this anyway. And I said, if you're going to do this, please put on protection. I remember just kind of laying there and um, in darkness, you know, I, I felt very paralyzed. Now, let's hear from Steve again. And like you were, you were saying, now we're, we're, we're shifting sort of the policy and the laws when it comes to consent. Right. There needs to be some sort of ongoing, continuous reminder that this is okay, And at the same time, I mean, and that's good. At the same time, it's weird how the whole intimate tango of lovemaking is sort of being shifted to like a verb, these verbal cue exchange (laughs) when it before it was just sort of this carnal, like being able to read a person's body language and knowing that it was okay. But this is why I. You know, when it comes to casual sex, I would never recommend anybody jumping from casual sex partners to, to, to casual sex partners because having 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 those kind of intimate relations within a monogamous loving relationship, there's a trust and a foundation there. And, you know, with Crystal's story, it, it, it's tragic that she thought she had that yeah. and she didn't. And there's yeah. a lot of girls who think they have that. And then it comes out later... Um, that they don't. How about you, Kimo? Uh, have well, you? I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think the thing that came up, say, with Crystal's story, especially, was, you know, almost like that, you know, that 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 Japanese movie Rashomon, where you've got mm-hmm. this story that is very different from the perspective of each of the participants, and you know, like in Crystal's story, if you found that guy today and you asked him about that, you know, even if he could remember it, he certainly wouldn't think that he raped her. Mm. Yeah. Right? So. So for me, I mean, the question was, wow, you know, what if there are these situations that I have in my mind very clearly as one thing, and it was a completely different experience, yeah. you know, for the person I was with. And, and I think this is the thing that makes everybody uneasy about this stuff is that, you know, on one level, yeah, it's, it's really important that we have this rebalancing of power in society and we have this redressing of, of a lot of abuse of power that, that's happened for a long time. But the... The fear that I think a lot of people have is that there, there is an attempt to make a lot of just inherently ambiguous relationships and behaviors crystal clear and unambiguous, you know, to make everything black and white. And, you know, even with very clear communication, I mean, you, we look at it in marriage, right? You can communicate all you want and, and you're still going to have very different perspectives on things that you right. have absolutely laid out. Oh, that's oh, how we gosh. all laughed at that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. Yeah, because because we're, we're totally we're totally complex creatures, right? You yeah. Know? And there's there, I don't believe in in the idea of good people or bad people. Yeah. You know, I believe in the idea of good behavior and bad behavior, but but we are way too complex to be put into some box of like, oh, well, now you're good because you know you do all the right things. And I think that that's what hasn't been talked about, right, is that what you're hearing about are all of the very egregious, obvious cases. But, you know, where we live, where most of of us live is in the nuance. It's in the gray. It's in the let's figure this out. Like, oh, I feel a little uncomfortable. What was that about? Mm -hmm. It isn't very clear. So how do we live in that? You know, like the time a coworker I I often joked around with uh, remarked that my high heeled black boots were fuck me boots <laughs> and uh they probably I, were i you know i didn't take any offense to it i knew it was his way of harmlessly flirting with me but you know i mean if i just said that without any context you would say that's totally inappropriate did you know i have hooker shoes that that's exactly what he yeah. was saying those are leopard print that. heels is that that's right. does, does all women have at least one pair of those in their closet or what um, uh, most would, I uh, think. Yeah, any yeah. self-respecting woman. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And like, look at, look at what we're doing right now, right? The, this right. whole process of discovering, like, See. you have all of these different sides of your sexuality. Yes. And, and you know, one is going to appeal to a certain context, but it's not for everybody. But, like, right. who's going to be able to interpret that from the outside? Well, I think that that's where the boundaries you establish with people is important. And that really comes in when you know one another. You know where that line is. And so, you know, as we move forward, it's going to be important for people to be more emotionally intelligent, uh, socially aware, like aware of body language, like Leslie and I were talking about. And this kind of segues into a really good Um, section we have now. We want to play a game with you guys. (laughs) Yes. And this game is called Okay or Not Okay. All right. So here's how it goes. Um, We're going to give you several short scenarios in which you will answer okay or not okay based on whether or not you think the words or actions of the male or men in the story were somewhat acceptable or crossing the line. You need to hide that so Steve can't see your answers. Yeah, yeah. Don't let them see. This is where we get in trouble. Yeah. (laughs) Now, all of these are are real scenarios that have actually happened to real people. And in fact, this was Slate's cover story on November 17th of just this past year. Some are ultimately okay and others cross the line and are definitely not okay. And after we're done, we'll reveal the answers, tally up scores, and we'll discuss why some are okay and why some are not okay. Are you guys ready? Nope. (laughs) Let's shoot. All right, let's go. Okay, so I'm going to read the first one. Number one. I was an intern on Capitol Hill when I was 19. I eventually learned that all of the interns had nicknames among the staff, and my nickname was Hot Turn. Okay or not okay? Steve? Steve, you go. I think this is a clear-cut one. I'm going to say not okay. All right. What about you, Kimo? Yeah, I'd say not okay. All right. Christina, you want to read number two? Number two. At my grad school internship, I worked at a small think tank. I have a tattoo on my back and was wearing a shirt that mostly covered it, but there was a bit peeking out. The company president walked up behind me and pulled down the back of my shirt in order to see my full tattoo. <laughs> okay or not okay? Chemo, you go first. Yeah, not okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with <laughs> not okay. Not. All right. 
Number three, I was pregnant but hadn't told anyone. My male boss brought me into his office to ask if I had anything to tell him because my boobs seemed a little bit larger than usual. (laughs) Steve? All right, I'm going to go with not okay. (laughs) Kimo? He told her her boobs look bigger? Apparently, this was a real situation, according to Slate.com. That's in the 100% not okay. Okay. All right, number four. My boss discussing blowjobs in front of or with me in vague terms. Okay or not okay? Steve. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to go with not okay. Chemo. Um, what, what, what do we mean by vague terms? Like, did he know that he was discussing blowjobs? <laughs> you know, they don't uh, expand on the story they here. They really don't. I would say as long as it was clear that that's what he was discussing, then it's not okay. Number five. My husband and I were both sent on a company trip to France. I got pregnant while on the trip. My male okay. boss said... I knew if we sent you two on a trip like that, you would end up pregnant. What do you think, Steve? Mm. <laughs> That's tricky. I mean, we don't know how close this, their relationship is, right? Yeah. Um, if it made her uncomfortable, I'm going to say not okay. But well, well, you have to. It's either one or yeah, the other. So yeah, it's one or the other. I'll go with not okay. All right. Chemo? I, that, to- that's, that one depends totally on the tone to me. Yeah. You know, if, if somebody if somebody said it like as a joke and they know them well, then I think that's just in humor. I mean, but if it's if it's meant as a judgment, like we shouldn't have sent you on this trip, then yeah, that's not okay. So your final answer? My final answer <laughs> ambiguous. <laughs> Depends on the situation. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, well makes yeah, I see what you're saying. But it let's go on the assumption that it was a judgment. Yeah, then not okay. Okay. Okay, and then last one. Okay, last one. My first girlfriend would allow me to hide in her room at night after I became homeless at 18. We were very sexually active during the beginning of our relationship, but near the end, she wanted to slow down. I didn't want to and continued to make advances consistently. I thought at the time that since we were in a relationship, it was okay. Is it okay? 18 years old? Yeah. This is definitely a gray, I think. A gray. What do you so, think? Well, you're looking at like a, a an uncompletely formed mind, right? At 18 mm-hmm. years old, um, it doesn't give him a pass. But I'm gonna go with not okay. Um, it's very easy for a young man to get put in that situation, and I can, um, I can have a little sympathy for him, but not excuse his behavior. Okay, and what about you, Kimo? Yeah, with the information that I have, I mean, I would say, I would say, okay, in the sense that I, I, I don't know, I don't know what the nature of their relationship was, but they're in a relationship. He's, uh, you know, trying to continue intimacy. I mean, if that situation is unambiguously not okay, then most marriages are doomed. Gotcha. Okay, so you're going with okay, okay. All right. Uh, maybe. I mean, maybe. It depends. If she was... <laughs> no, really. I, I don't you have failed, enough information. There, really. there, is, there is a final portion of the story, but I had to leave it out because it would give away the answer. But I feel like what <laughs> I put here gives the main scenario. But mm. he does share her feelings later on. All right. So are you ready for the winner? Yeah. All right. 
All right, Steve, scoring at three out of six, you are the winner. Chemo, you got two out of six. (laughs) Do you know, though, I have to say most of you were very uh, cautious, meaning uh, definitely erred on the side of safety because a lot of the ones that you said were not okay were actually okay. Yeah. Hmm. I know. I guess that's the shift we're talking about, right? what What was okay that we said not okay? So, um, number one, the hot turn, (laughs) the intern. So that was ultimately okay. And it's explained that way because it's just kind of a a joking around. It wasn't calling out any particular body part or specifically no one was saying they're going to do something to someone. There was no assault I mean, these are really hard. They all dip into a gray area, but some cross a hard line. So I'll give you an example. Uh, number six, the the 18-year-old boyfriend uh, with the consistent heart on. Um, <laughs> you know, this poor guy, I, like Steve, I feel for him, right? He's been in a relationship. They were very sexually active mm-hmm. for a while, right? So... For the girl to all of a sudden pull back, that's got to be very confusing. However, here is the kicker. The kicker is that she verbalized to him that she wanted to slow down. And he continued to make advances consistently. So the, the rest of the story that I did not include was that years later, he came across her blog in which she shared her thoughts and feelings about it and about how she felt taken advantage of. And uh, she felt he made her feel like an object. And I have a friend, actually, who has this very thing going on. Mm. And, you know, for her, it is very much where she feels objectified. She's in a marriage, and he wants it all the time. And and she says no. And there's a lot of, like, you know, uh, uh, persistence and kind of them passive aggressiveness going on. And my feeling, you know, immediately is he's in the wrong. Really? Yeah. I feel absolutely because I she... I feel like it's more complicated than that. Well, because she has consistent... She has said, listen, I want to slow down. But there could be some hormonal issues. I'll give you my straight up answer on that. Mm-hmm. If he is forcing himself on her, that is rape and that is wrong. Yes. However, a married man wanting sex from his wife is natural and normal. And I would... I think it would be helpful for her to think of it this way. Be thankful that he's coming to you and not someone else. I mean, he could he could be diving into porn and or, you know, seeking other women. Well, without, you know, um, going down this rabbit hole Mm -hmm. and without giving away too much because it is a whole podcast unto itself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's why this is complicated, right? Um, I think that what I'm leaving out is context. So I think it depends on the couple. The couple, for whatever reason that they have um, and whatever that woman whatever her reasons are, she has them. And yes, there should be therapy yeah. and such. But if she is in a in a certain space where she's saying no, I think the point, the snapshot is he should respect that. In in a relationship where there's there should be equal power, um, you know, both both people have the responsibility to to make decisions um, based on how they feel and kind of negotiate that space. It's not up to one person to sort of caretake all the emotions of the relationship. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, unfortunately, there 
is uh, in marriages, though, this, um, you know, imbalance in power. I've actually mm-hmm. known men who were in marriages where it was the woman who had the power and was sure. abusive, verbally yeah. abusive. Mm-hmm. Why does the woman have the power if she's verbally abusive? Maybe because he I lets mean, she, her? I, I don't know. Exactly. Maybe that's a harsh exactly. like, judgment. Why, but... why, why wouldn't it? Why, no, no, it's not a harsh judgment. It's a real, like if you were talking about, if you were putting them in couples therapy, you would really have somebody who was saying, why do you not have agency just because she's abusive? Why do you not have the ability to say, this is unacceptable to me? And mm-hmm. if you continue to act like this, there are going to be consequences. Well, let me chime I mean, in here I, real I, quick. I, Kimo, yeah. yeah, and I, I think because a lot of men who who do suffer from abuse from their wives are afraid that if they do speak up, um, ultimately they're afraid the marriage will fall apart. Right. Yeah. Their home will fall apart. Women, the same thing. Oh yeah. If they speak up, yes. they don't want you know. And and so when it when it comes to those power dynamics, there's always going to be this constant struggle of of one spouse trying to trying to jockey for position, um, and for some spouses, what they do is just sort of, sort of, draw within themselves and not do that. Yeah. And allow yeah, and that spouse to to sort of dominate that 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 story. Yeah, and, of... and 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 that's that's the nature of it, right? You know, everyone in any relationship is in some sort of competition over power at some point or another. There's no idealized perfect balance, right? Hmm. It's up to everyone in every relationship to find how do they stay true to themselves. How do they stand in their own power? You know, it's a very different situation if we're talking about employer-employee. You know, it's a very different relationship if we're talking about, you know, the Harvey Weinstein kind of thing where, you know, someone's entire career depends on the judgment of one of one person. It's such a tough thing. I mean, I think marriages go through cycles. Yeah. And, and oftentimes <clears throat> what's holding them together um, are the other variables. I think when Steve said, you know, they're afraid that the family is going to fall apart. What's going to happen to the kids? What about the house? Um, you know, what about everything we've built? And there are these, I think, cycles that, that marriages go through. Um, and when you're in a bad cycle... Um, and it feels, you know, hopeless, you know, that spouse who is going to cave, it may be a worthy sacrifice during that period. Maybe it helps the other spouse get over what it is that they're, you know, going through and then vice versa. But we've definitely gone down yeah. the rabbit hole. We definitely have. No, no, no. But, but, this, but this, like to bring, to bring it back to the whole Me Too thing, you know, the, that, that I think one of the, the hesitancies, one of those, you know, skepticisms about it is that I think everyone knows on some level that if you have if you have straight up manipulation, if you have people you know acting and abusing their power without the consent of the other, clearly wrong, right? Right. But we're also now dealing. Once you get past that, then we just have relationships, and yeah. then we just have mm-hmm. the the question that a lot of things that we would love to sort of legislate or you know b- bake into social norms are really actually just questions of courage, integrity. And, and how we negotiate relationships. And those are never going to be easy. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of like the game that we were playing and how it was difficult, right? Uh-huh. Because all those things were in, in gray areas. And some of them did have to do with relationships. And I like how the author of the article um, explained it. And, and I'm just going to direct quote her here. She says, What seems like a gray area to one person is outright harassment to another. 
The diversity of reactions to similar behaviors reveals both the personal nature of these experiences and a widespread lack of practical know-how when it comes to recognizing sexual harassment in the real world. It also illustrates how difficult it can be to attach any of these labels, harassment, assault, coercion, abuse, to people we know, trust, love, or to ourselves, even when they might seem to objectively apply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this, this goes back to the, the, you know, the question of ethics, right? You've got entire university departments that are dedicated to you know, researching and, and, and writing and thinking about ethics, right? And, and fundamentally none of them really serve as some as some sort of useful guide for us to look as a cheat sheet about what we should do in any situation. I mean that was why, you know, Wittgenstein, who was this 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 famous philosopher who was who was, you know, criticizing that that whole approach to creating this massive rule set for, for human behavior, hmm. you know, he said, if you could write a book about ethics that was really about ethics, it would destroy all other books the moment it was created. Hmm. You know, it would be so powerful. It would just wipe those things out. But there's the catch. Like, we can't do that. We can talk about these things in particular cases. We can talk about them in ambiguous terms. But we're never going to get to some point where you can really just lay down all of these black and white lines that serve as some sort of guide. And even if you could, that's not a world anyone wants to live in. No, it's not. And I think that um, I really appreciated what you said about, you know, when you get past the obvious cases of misconduct, it's really down to relationships. I think where this is practical is in the workplace. So I wonder, do you think there's going to be a backlash of sorts, you know, where women, where men don't want to do a review, do a review, a work review with a woman alone? Right. Uh, where, yeah. you know, to borrow from one journalist who called it the Mike Pensifying of things, you know, <laughs> where he said, you know, I never meet a woman yeah. on my own. Um, my husband, who is a physician, had a female patient yesterday who wanted to hug him. And his immediate thought was, no, what if? And uh, so yeah. he said, no, you know, I'm not the huggy type. How do we move forward and manage, you know, in this in this new climate? For me, what I would, what I would personally want to instill in some of my female friends, is learning how to identify clear-cut boundaries, whether it's in the workplace, in friendships, in marriage, in relationships, and and not just establishing those boundaries, but making sure that the consequences that are attached to, to crossing those boundaries are are known and mm-hmm. are clear, and also just getting women to what I feel like you know, and what what a lot of guys call situation preparedness, because it's easy. It's easy to go out into the world and think I can go and jog in a sports bra and short shorts and nothing should happen to me because it's 2018. All men should know that they cannot treat me a certain way. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, we live in a world that has psychopaths. We live in a world of uh, um, flourishing mental um, disease and illness. And so... Just look at Washington. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. No. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I totally agree with you. I mean, I, I, think, I think we we are going to get ourselves in trouble if we think that there is some sort of perfectible human state that we'll attain, yeah. where, you know, general enlightenment spreads around the world. Um, you, know, you brought up the idea about, uh, you know, in, in the workplace. I mean, we already know companies where men are... are are rejecting female uh, mentees 
they're saying, I don't want a female mentee because I don't want anybody to have questions about what the relationship really is. So you're, you're already finding situations where, you know, uh, uh, you know, sadly enough, it, it's kind of a counterproductive force. So, you know, I, um, I guess I want to end on a um, realistic note. Um, I think that we have talked some real talk. I think that we've been honest about, um, you know, the the great things that this moment is bringing, but the reality of how you know um, complex uh, this topic really is. It's uh, it's conversations you know that we're having here um, as people listen. It will help them to hopefully have conversations with mm-hmm. their brothers and their husbands and their friends. You know what? I feel a responsibility as a parent. Um, I have a I have a young son. He's eleven. I feel like it's my job as a parent to teach him. Well, how should you interact with women? And one of the things I start with, even at a young age, even with him playing with his sister, is other people's bodies are other people's bodies. You do not give unwanted touches. If someone says no, you respect that. And trying to instill that value in him as a child, I hope, will carry over into an adult. And one thing I have actually said to him is, the world has enough assholes. It doesn't need another one. (laughs) Don't be an asshole. (laughs) So there you go. There's a bit of parenting advice from me uh, for everyone. Feel free to use it. Um, I want to thank uh, Dr. Kimo Quaintance for being on our show and thank you to Steve Ellenese and to all our friends on WDYT. Um, It was a really um, great discussion. Um, Thank you both for being here. Thank you, guys. We had a great time. Thank you. If you enjoyed the Gritty Girls podcast, please help us by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes and Stitcher. By doing so, you'll be entered to win a Gritty Girls t-shirt during the first two months of our launch. Just grab your iDevice and inside the podcast app, search for Gritty Girls Podcast. Click on our logo and once there, scroll down to rate and review the show. Finally, hit subscribe. If you don't have an iTunes account, it'll ask you to create one. And for Android listeners, download the free Stitcher radio app and search Gritty Girls Podcast. You do need to listen to an entire show before you'll be allowed to leave a review. For all others, you can find us on our website at grittygirlspodcast.com. And please join our gritty conversations by heading to our website where our next show topics are listed. Pick one that resonates with you. Call our chat line and record your thoughts. Quick one or two lines will do, and then you'll have a good chance of being on our show's WDYT segment for What Do You Think? We only have one rule. Enter the conversation with an open mind. Among today's music, Jesse Spilling's G1, Revolution Voids Someone Else's Memories, both from the Free Music Archive, and free sound effects from Audio Micro. Thank you for listening. Until next time, listen to understand, seek out growth, and keep the heart and mind open. There we go. <laughs> With his bedhead. I said, hi, bedhead, this morning. You're looking a little rough, man. I'm not lying. Hi, bedhead. Johnny Bravo. Ah. Johnny Bravo. <laughs> <laughs>